Uh, I'm yeah. just going to warn you in advance that there is no fancy uh, intros this week. There are none. I, uh, That's fine. I'm also going pretty bare bones. It's I okay. hope that we you can, can do that tell how disappointed I am. Justin. <laughs> see that disappointed mm-hmm. face on Lisa? I see that. I do see that <laughs> in your face. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that video and turn it into a GIF. Ah, a GIF. Gross. I can't Gross. believe you just said GIF. Oh, that's Nasty. peanut butter, dude. I hate that. Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands. An episode-by-episode deep-dive appreciation of the Brian Fuller-created series Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I'm Justin Peniston, Uh, but with me, as always, are my wonderful Popsicle co-hosts. First, we have Lisa K. Weber, uh, creator, graphic designer, illustrator of the wonderful comic series Hex 11. Hello, Lisa. Hi. Followed quickly by her life partner, Kelly Sue Milano, (laughs) who is the writer of Hex 11, not to mention an amazing astrologer and excellent person to call when you're weepy after a movie. Hi, Kelly Sue. Hello. Uh, Next, we have Claire Thorne, who, as it turns out, is not an excellent person to call weepy after a movie if she hasn't seen it yet. Um, Yeah. She is also a, a geeky crafter behind the book um, uh, uh, Journeys in Space. A Geek's Guide to Crustage. Yes. Journeys in Space. Justin. How many only... times has this title <laughs> been said or written? I'm, I'm hoping this read. podcast puts it into like a Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> book title, most spoken. <laughs> um, I think you should do a follow-up to Journeys in, Journeys in Space. Journeys Through Space. I think we need one that's like, you know, time. We should, we, you could do one yeah. Journeys in Time. Journeys in Time, yeah, absolutely. How about Journeys, Journeys, Dinosaurs journeys and Doctor Who? GIFs. <laughs> journeys no, stop it. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Philip Kelly, who is responsible for this obsession I will have today with the word GIF. Um, he is our producer. <laughs> He is a creative jack of all trades, and he is currently wearing the ugliest sweater among us. Hello, Philip. Good morning. I'm proud of this sweater. Keeps me you should comfy. be. It's comfy. Now, before we dig into our discussion of this week's episode, Lisa and Philip will take us through a quick recap of the episode She Izakana. We open on what is. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just saying, hopefully, my Japanese friends aren't too upset by what I just said. No, sorry. We open on what is clearly Will Graham's sexy murder dream. Hannibal tied to a tree while he says, in essence, that Will is his beloved and that his love is helping Will reach his potential. Less romantic is the fact that the ropes tying Hannibal are also tied to the raven stag, who, with a whistle from Will, tightens those ropes around Hannibal's neck. Will promises Hannibal a reckoning just before his final whistle splashes blood everywhere, but like poetically. Cut to Hannibal cooking up body parts and preparing a Sacramonte omelet for him and Jack because I guess they're friends again, again. Jack says he wishes he could forget stuff that he doubts Will and Hannibal says he can't really talk about any of that while somehow still talking about it. Meanwhile, a trucker gets ripped to literal shreds atop his truck cab by some shiny, gruesome, massive beast. 
We're back to Hannibal and Will in therapy, talking about the showdown in the stable. They are truly and deeply whispering to each other at this point. Will saying he regrets not pulling the trigger. Hannibal, who is salivating, asks why. Will, barely speaking at all, says he wanted to feel the way he did when he tried to kill Hannibal. Lots of close-ups on mouths and eyes. Will is able to leave the sexual tension somehow and runs into Margot Verger. She's all like, don't I know you? And he's all emo like, yeah, I'm that guy who didn't murder all those people. The BAU team is finally checking out the ripped apart trucker guy and everyone is like, this should be an animal, but no body parts are missing. The guy was just mauled. Will, knowing everything about everything, is like, this isn't an animal, it is a man, or maybe a man with an animal. Time to consult the animal expert, Jeremy Davies. He says, no way, the only thing that kills to kill is a man. Boy, howdy, is he right? Next, we see a big table of tools and someone is screwdriving some teeth onto a set of hydraulic jaws. It's not Hannibal if it's not crazy as shit. Also, he kills some super rich yuppie types having a bonfire in the middle of fucking nowhere in a mink coat and a tux asking for it. <laughs> the team is back to investigate the yuppie crime scene. Will willifies and he's like, this is for sure a man. Lucky for everyone, Hannibal is like, yo, I might actually know this dude. It's Randall Tier, a former patient of Hannibal who was a child believed he was an animal born in the body of a man. Hannibal visits him at his natural history museum job and while he tinkers with fossils, tells him how to our ah, I almost had it. Hannibal visits him at his natural history museum job and while he tinkers with fossils, tells him how to outsmart the FBI. While that's going on, Margot Verger goes full soccer and just shows up at Will's house and asks for whiskey. Rich people, I swear to God. They talk about how they both almost murder people and how Hannibal is super weird. In his next session, Will wonders aloud to Hannibal what would happen if his patients got together to share notes and then, like it's fucking nothing, is like, by the way, Bedelia came to see me in prison and she said she believes me, so <laughs> Hannibal is pissed but would never say it. Instead, we see him standing at the edge of Will's property with the crazy beast dog man. What a total bitch. Pun not intended. After some cool cinematography of running and snow and beast dog man jumping through Will's window, we cut to Hannibal coming home to find Randall Tear in man mode, dead on his dining room table and Will being like, now we're square, motherfucker. The end. <laughs> Even Steven. I, Even Steven. I fucking love that. I'm I so glad chew. they didn't yeah. Name, yeah. name this guy Steven, Steven. here because that would have been so on the nose. And yeah. But there's just something so delightful about, you know, dead guy on the table. And he's like, now we're even. Mm -hmm. Even Steven. Oh my God. Like it's just... Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. <laughs> Lemon squeezy. <laughs> he may as well have said that. Right. It was so great. <laughs> Ran Randall handled. That's what I would have said. Randall, Randall handled. I handled Randall. <laughs> exactly. No. I handled Randall. Why do I feel like we could do a whole episode just on this? You alone? can't hold a candle to the way I handle Randall. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh man. No. All right. Oh, no. So let's wow. dive right into Randall Tier, uh, the A story of the episode. A uh, builder of museum pieces and of super powered exoskeletons. Um, how does this strike you? I think uh, Kelly Sue 
made quite the observation in her summary by saying, this is crazy as shit, and it wouldn't be Hannibal if it wasn't. Um, This, like, I mean, I guess we've always rubbed up against the edge of pure fantasy as soon as we see Will, you know, do his thing for the first time. But this is like, this is crazy. This is this is really crazy. This is this doesn't feel as real as some of the other stuff. Did it strike you guys that way, or is it just me? Oh yeah. I definitely i I see that you wrote supernatural related. I always think X Files. Oh yeah. Whenever There's I up. see that opening sequence with the truck driver, I'm like, this is straight out of the X Files. We we have this this setup in X Files, in Supernatural, in yeah. Fringe, in like I just anything that is adjacent to this kind of genre we've had this setup in it yeah. Yeah. so yeah definitely Agreed. picking up on the supernatural fantasy vibes yeah, yeah. and i'm here for it don't get me wrong that's what i oh, say 100%. It doesn't feel necessarily real i don't want this show to feel real i want it to feel like breathless you know homoerotic murder fantasy you know yeah, so. this show is not like this show is not about any kind of gritty realism. Get out of here with if that. It, if yeah, it is, it that. is an alternate universe where this area has just been, like all the serial killers have been moved into this area and there's a big wall surrounding everything to keep all the serial killers in. <laughs> all the crazy people. Like, it's just, you can't compute how much stuff they have to do in this one local area. It's just nuts. Um, yeah, I've... I think this episode has always vied for being my least favorite episode. Um, only, only because, and I Ooh. say that out of like, like there's already a really hard high bar, right? Like a least favorite episode in Hannibal is, is way above most other things. Um, but I think, and watching it this time, I was really asking myself, like, why is it that I don't quite vibe with this episode the way I do others? And I think it's because they show us what this guy is doing, like the trucker scene. And as much as I kind of like it, the, the lakeside bonfire scene, I kind of almost wish they dialed back on one, like given us one and not the other, probably the trucker scene. And it's, I think it's because it does feel so like, oh my God, you know, when there's, you know, Mulder and Scully showing up and, and, and the, uh, kind of my disbelief that this guy's contraption is really functional. You know, I wish they'd left that more up to my imagination. Mm. Um, but the rest of the episode, I mean, the opening scene in this episode is like one of the seminal, like visual and just sexually laden. Oh, yeah, I, so I can't good. believe you're rating this so low not like just based on the Hannibal Will stuff alone. Oh yeah. This is a, this is, it's not like, you know, it's not like top tier, but it's up there for me. Absolutely. Wow. Every scene between them was just wow, wow, wow. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with that. I think it's just that the procedural part stuff of this one, this is the only episode where I'm like, I just want to get through that stuff really quickly and get to the other stuff. Like I just, I don't need to watch the other I don't know. Anyway, and like I said, it's it, it, least favorite Hannibal episode is still a really like high bar of like I still really love it. <laughs> totally. This yeah, um, this 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. No, no, please. Go ahead, Kelly Sue. I was um, just to lend my voice to uh, this, the focus of this question on this, I guess, robot dog. Like even saying it, I'm mechanical. kind of like, does it have to be robot mechanical dog? And also it's like supposed to be like a cave bear head. And I'm like, man, you really- Is it a bear or is it a wolf? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, <laughs> there are parts of it where I love, I loved the end of this question where it's like, I, you saw that this could be a metaphor, Justin, for Will's becoming. And I was like, that had to be the purpose of this story. Oh yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's- it's in, you know, it's a capsule. He's just another crazy murder person, murderer. <laughs> um, and I definitely saw it that way, but it, it felt like there was something about it that felt like a departure from what we normally see in these serial murderers and even in their like tableaus, like there was nothing about what he left behind that had any like deeper meaning or whatever. And I don't right. want to get too much into it because I know we're going to go. I have Exquisite Corpse this week, so don't want to mm -hmm. dive too deeply into it. But um, <laughs> it was really, um, yeah, it and maybe that was maybe there was a point to that, that it would feel oh, yeah. so like, wow, this feels real weird, which then helps us as an audience to um, kind of zero in on things that may not have been zeroed in on it had there been a different A story going on. I mean, if nothing else, this storyline gets us back with Jeremy Davies while he's like, you know, cuddling with mice. Yeah, I did like that. Know. So sweet. I, he's I, just adorable. I what, the sweetest. What didn't quite sit as well with me about this wasn't so much, you know, the mechanical exoskeleton thing was, I guess, fine. I, I but it, the 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 metaphor was so heavy-handed mm. in in this mm -hmm. episode with how it related to Will. I was like. Come on, I, I, you can allow me to get there a little bit on my own with this because they're, they're usually so good at that in this series, allowing the viewer to kind of have to make some leaps yeah. to get to where we need to be with how everything connects together. And in this, it was just, and I felt that about a couple episodes this season where things are really just mm. like pointedly on the nose, like this is what's going on. This is how it relates to Will's journey. And, and it, it, as, as a viewer, I feel a little less involved then. Cause I'm like, okay, you just told me everything I need to know. <laughs> like, and so it's a, uh, it's mm -hmm. a, it, it, a little, little too, for my taste, a little too grandiose and on the nose uh, as far as mm. thematic connection goes. I get what you're saying there. We'll say this noting... though. Oh, go on. My <laughs> note is really short. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just wrap up my note and then you can say the amazing thing I know you're going to say. When I first saw this episode, I was like, if you, kill this dog i'm done i'm oh. done with this show i'm done yeah yeah, yeah. so that was very much appreciated like, you got me yeah i very much appreciated that they did not kill off the dog and i appreciate it every time there's a comfort in knowing like on rewatches that it's like oh that dog's okay because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i went through the anxiety wrong. the first time i watched it oh i know you're yelling buster with him buster no yeah when, when, buster, <laughs> gets, when buster gets hurt i was like yeah. i don't want them to i don't want them to take randall tear in you know right mm -hmm. I love oh, his yeah. ass grass you know yeah. um now is it possible you know uh to address to, to dig deeper into what phil was saying um because i don't necessarily disagree 
because you know as, as i watch it this time i also was quite hit over the head with the metaphors but mm -hmm. i that mm -hmm. wasn't my experience the first time i watched this and i was watching it in real time when it was airing the first time um and i i wonder if you know because of the way in which we're watching it now you know which is pretty frequent viewing streaming watching multiple times um if our viewing format is skewing us a little bit because this was something that was intended to see once a week week by week you know with gaps between seasons mm. and all that stuff you know um whereas we are so steeped in Hannibal over the past few months that the way they do things is so in our faces now that we you know it, it's it's much harder for them to for for those subtleties to be apparent you know what i'm saying like for a for a weekly audience maybe you need to hit them over the head a little bit more you know you know people who aren't able to go back and refer to other things and sure. I, I mean yeah i think we I talked about that a little in in one of the last episodes too um with the was it the sewing up in the horse episode? I think that was yeah. the other episode. Mm -hmm. Talked yeah. a little on the nose. We, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah. That's why I was saying it because this yeah. is the second time it's come up. You know. Yeah. Um, I do want to say one of the things that makes this episode feel very different to me, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like this is the first time that we're given another serial killer who Hannibal has actively groomed in the past. Oh yeah, I like that a lot. That's, and that's a yeah. big part of Hannibal's character in the books. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, um, I, I feel like I'm really twisted for the, the degree to which I appreciate Hannibal, um, like being appreciative of and like propping up his little apprentices, right? Like when he shows up with this guy, I just have this warm, golden, fuzzy feeling of just like, oh, he's being so nice and affirming this guy <laughs> in all of this. And it, like, it's a healthy relationship or something. <laughs> I, it feels so wrong. Hannibal's relationship with these guys, you know, like is so intimate in its way, you know, it's so affirming, but it's so like intimate that I was kind of like promiscuous boy, you're teasing <laughs> me. You know, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <the> <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> Hannibal, you ignorant slut. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I did, and this is the first time I felt that way. How but dare you of, groom somebody besides Will? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was kind right. of like, what? Damn you, Hannibal. You oh know? my God. Uh, I thought Will was special. You know? <laughs> Amazing. Anyway. Um, I had yes. a thought, I had a thought briefly about, you know, thinking about the this reaction we're having to some of these episodes in the second season of everything feeling very, like Philip said, very heavy-handed and upfront and here's what it is. And I wonder if, and I'm just, I just kind of thought of this now, like, I wonder if the, the writers aren't kind of following Will's um, journey in this, in the way they're telling the story, because we start off not understanding and, and seeing things very darkly through Will's eyes, like his understanding of what's going on is very hazy and but now it's very clear you know so i'm what it kind of in a way feels like we're moving into a place of just like okay we can see everything really up front because will is seeing and understanding things very i can buy that i i'm probably yeah 
putting too much into that, but <laughs> that would no, that makes sense. High level no, I... storytelling, if if that's what they're doing, you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, and I will say this is a show that it definitely evolves as it goes. The way that the stories are mm -hmm. told, and yeah, you know, it, it definitely evolves. So that there's, I don't know if it's, it's true, true, but that's definitely a a theory with merit. Yeah, this is a show that doesn't stand still. It 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 definitely progresses. The characters progress in real ways. They don't yeah. stay in the same yeah. place. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I do kind of agree with Claire that it's like, yes, it was very clear. Like, I mean, the adapt, evolve, become, all the talk about, you know, um, transitioning and all of these things. It's like, yes, these are central themes of the entire series. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, every now and then they're going to remind you why you're here <laughs> you know? and to kind of like, to Claire's point, kind of like remind you where on this track will is. Cause we talked about evolution and becoming back in season one. We're talking about it again because it doesn't stop happening. It keeps on happening. So I'm okay with it being like ding, 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 ding. I think like, the, this sure. is what's happening. Sure. I, this I, is what's happening with Will. This is what's happening with the story. This is also what's happening with you in your life. That's one of the things that I love so much about this show is like so much of what is in these scripts is stuff that I like absolutely relate to and like feel in the course of my own life. Not that I'm like out there like murdering people with fossils, but sure. that idea of like we're in this constant state of adaptation and evolution is is a theme to being human as well so for sure i think i think the the, the only point that i was speaking to that felt heavy-handed because everything else you're saying is spot on i i just think the man becoming animal an animal was specifically to randall's sort of way he was killing people um, yeah. was, it, was to me felt a little heavy handed. Uh, that, that was the only part of the show that all the other stuff didn't felt pretty that's natural. interesting. And I don't, I'm not invalidating it yeah. when I say this, but it's interesting because to me, the whole animalistic quality is a bit of a, a sidestep for the show mm -hmm. because Hannibal has this whole perception almost of the serial killer being like an evolved being. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like something more than human. You know, mm -hmm. um, but again, that's not to invalidate what you're saying. I hear you, you know. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're almost being, like we were being walked through a um, kind of a museum of different aspects of what Hannibal admires in himself. Like this is just the, the animalistic part of it, right? The, the bloodlust part of what he wants Will to become. And I think who Hannibal sees himself as is just one of the aspects of, of, of this creation. Um, you know, I think we, we see different parts of this creature that, that Hannibal's hoping Will will become an ingredient as it were. Well, speaking oh, I of things, oh, oh, go sorry, ahead. Go Oh, I had a super quick question talking about like the animalistic natures inside people and 
the raven stag as we see it in this episode unless that's a question you're about to ask justin it is not oh. please go okay because um in the second season is when i really like it became just so clear like what the raven stag represented um because all through the first season i was like is it supposed to represent hannibal like what is it supposed to be and then in this season it's it just became clearer than ever that like and in this episode like super clearly it's representative will's shadow and so i'm wondering like do you all see that or do you see that even what the raven stag represents evolves as well and doesn't always represent will's shadow because i feel like even going back it always does but what do you guys think i'm just i'm just curious well there is first of all i feel like the the raven stag now represents will's connection to the urge to kill so i guess there's a sense of shadow mm -hmm. But okay. and I think that's but I also think that that's indelibly wrapped up in Hannibal. And there's right. a reason okay. why sometimes we see the Raven Stag Hannibal hybrid, you know, mm -hmm. creepy mm -hmm. as he looks when he's right. wearing clothes, yeah. you know. I, um, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I absolutely agree that I think the both that imagery and the imagery that they give Hannibal of the man with the antlers is meant to kind of merge together and be this kind of shifting view of is Hannibal is our Will and Hannibal separate people who are opposed to each other or acting against each other or is Will starting to morph into Hannibal are they becoming one and I'm going to stop now because anything I say after this is going to be too spicy well no such thing you know that <laughs> does lead us into my naturally that leads us naturally to my next question which is basically about this is a spicy episode, is it not? So spicy. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm Mimi. I am I'm awfully, almost embarrassingly hetero. And this episode was like, I was like, hello, nurse. I was like, this is this is something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that therapy sequence, you know, with all the close-ups and sex. The therapy session was sex. Yeah, it was really. It, it felt almost. I almost. It almost felt voyeuristic watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like My it's like, whew, but that, <laughs> but that makes me think because in the previous episode, one of my favorite scenes of the whole show, of the whole show, is Jack and Will over that fishing hole, mm -hmm. basically saying, you know. It, it, wrapping up with Will saying, I'm an, I'm a really good fisherman, Jack, you know, yeah. like, and they're saying, we're going to try to catch him, you know, and like, so it's hard not to think on a certain level, this is Will setting himself out as bait. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. And yeah. yet, you know, I don't want to think, you know, like, it's still like, it's so steamy, you know, like, <laughs> it's, I mean, and how close to becoming a real murderer is Will, you know, like that, that fantasy at the opening, you know, with the, you know, the, the washed out colors and then the gouts of red blood at the end, which I freaking love, um, you know, it's no accident that those words are peppered with love and beloved, you know, like, 
and but it's also a fantasy about murder do you know what i mean like it's but it feels very it feels very literary that whole sequence like will is not i don't think yet even fantasizing in very realistically violent ways he's fantasizing in very poetically realistically sexy ways yes not sure do you know what i mean like but but isn't this show filled with poetic unrealistic (laughs) murder i mean didn't we just talk about this all in the first segment you know so it is not it is but i i still think that will is still operating in a place of of he's not quite there yet i think can we just give props? I'm, I'm veering left here just slightly. Can we just give props to, if Jack and Will are working together and thinking in terms of like, we we understand what we suspect about Hannibal, or at least Jack is, you know, saying what he understands what he suspects about Hannibal. I need to give props to Jack for sitting and having dinner with Hannibal, even just suspecting that he's eating a human liver. Like that's the most overtly, like this could be human, uh, recipe that Hannibal gives anyone. It's almost like, you know, Hannibal saying, Hey, Jack, um, I'm going to try to, you know, flush you out by giving you this, you know, liver and sweetbreads are like hard enough as it is. Um, (laughs) and Jack just sits down and eats like nothing's going on. And I props to the man. Wow. Well, I I find myself wondering if Jack is all the way on board, you know, Mm. You know, there's that. But then there's also, if you, if you, if you're like, well, I've already eaten people. You know, this guy has already fed me people. I may as well stay undercover at this point. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, it's not like eating more people makes it worse. You know, like it's it's as bad as it's going to get already. Yeah. I just don't know that you can do it without flinching. Like even the smallest flinch in front of Hannibal is... Mm -hmm is a, you know, and uh-huh. Jack is really holding it together really well. It's just. Jack is taking pot gummies before he goes over to Hannibal's house. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah. I, I just want to, I want to, I want to say how, how smart we all are because things that we've spoken about <laughs> in the first season that the, the show wasn't quite getting to, they're now speaking openly about as characters. Mm-hmm. They're like, so uh, what does it feel like to be God? You know, they're really getting into mm-hmm. conversations that we've had mm-hmm. um, on this podcast now that uh, they're kind of a little further into the show. Because um, that, that, that conversation about, um, you know, what it feels like to kill and, and uh, like, how do you think God thinks and stuff like that? Uh, you know, how, why, like, is it good? Is it bad? No, it's, it's neither. You know, um, that whole conversation was really awesome like great conversation but uh, it's also a callback i mean they had like, that conversation before in like the second episode did they the third episode. has it been yeah that's yeah, been a while you know because he's like you know how do you think god felt he feels powerful like remember mm-hmm. it was really like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which that, very much it, was it your was basic it premise that... that we're smart that's true. that's a good one yeah. i mean that's, that's, yeah, that still holds yeah, yeah. but um <laughs> in that second episode because this what that was a callback um to you know, Will talked the first time he talked about killing Garrett Jacob Hobbs, mm-hmm. and um, 
was because I know that Hannibal talks all about, you know, the church collapses and his yeah. obsession with the church collapses. Didn't he mention that in that in that second episode as well? Like, how does God feel when a church collapses or something? Or was I just misremembering? I don't remember that. I don't well, uh, I know that th that is something that Hannibal comes back to. Mm, but okay. I don't know if it's something that I've read somewhere or if it's something okay. that he said earlier. In the, he I, does I, I can't say that. Though, he definitely says something, though, about people who are gathering to worship mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. dropping a, like dropping a roof or something like that. He definitely says something similar to that in that episode. It might be that this is yeah. the first time he says, I collect them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think this, what we're talking about right now is another hallmark of just how good the writing on the show is because we're introduced to an idea and then time goes on and we see other things happen and new contexts brought forth and then we're given that idea again so that we can understand how we we see it differently after experiencing and will is now understanding it in a way that he didn't understand it the first time hannibal brings it up because he hmm. didn't have the experience or emotional, you know, connection to the topic, right? Like, you know, it's, it's this great example of how we can, we can tell someone we understand what they are, who they are, what they've experienced, but that's always, there's always separation until we start to, you know, come together or somebody has an actual emotional, you know, experience and you get that footprint of oh now i understand now i really do understand what you're saying well if you don't understand what claire is saying mm -hmm. we're going to give you a moment now to consider as we take a break so that we can try to earn a living off of this chatty thing that we do we'll be right back <laughs> are back um and now we're going to talk a little bit about uh something that hooks me in inescapably and that's the character of margot verger um i part of it is a i'm drawn to her like she is not quote unquote my type you know but something about her still just makes me like mm, hello margot <laughs> um and it's interesting how she is sort of stepping into this Hannibal and Will mess, you know. Um, I had a hard time thinking, you know, when Margot confessed to Will that she had tried to kill her brother, Will's reaction to me was the biggest piece of evidence yet that Will really is becoming. Because mm -hmm. he felt no horror, no revulsion, no, he didn't pull back from her at all, you know. He must have had it coming. That's a pretty, that's a pretty cold-blooded damn response, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then Will's like, yeah, well, you know, I tried to kill Dr. Lecter, you know? And, <laughs> um, so this might be a relatively thin question. It might be just have to do with the fact that I kind of have a crush on Catherine Isabel. But um, how, are, how is the Margot storyline sitting with you at the moment? 
And is it actually offering a different perspective on Will and Hannibal, or is it just? I definitely want to hear from Kelly Sue first, given her facial yeah, expressions right? during yes, the yeah, entire question. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, right? Her she cringe, definitely... cringy facial expressions <laughs> to every word that Justin said. Look, don't look. I mean, isn't it amazing how hard it is to, to see what Kelly Sue like is thinking? I mean, it, that makes it really <laughs> difficult in this podcast, doesn't it? Just. I don't know. I feel like we're in Kelly Sue season two and she's a lot more on the nose this season. You know, yeah. you know I am. <clears throat> I forget sometimes about how my face looks. <laughs> and I'm having feelings about things. Listen, I think that the performances are great, but I have never loved the storyline that involves the vergers. Not not just this show, just in like canon wise, mm. um, and maybe that it doesn't have anything to do. Maybe it's not like bad or wrong in any way, but I the the Margot storyline is so infuriating to me, and the character of Mason Verger is so disgusting to me, and the entire thing is just so horrible that I'm like to put this new horrible on something that's already horrible. <laughs> it's always just a lot. <clears throat> and so on this rewatch, it was really interesting. This, because uh, I think this is the, well, no, this is just the second time that I've watched through. And Margot shows up and does this whole thing where she's talking about her brother and blah, blah, blah. And she's just showing up places. And I'm just like, fucking vergers, man. <laughs> I'm over it. And I don't know what that is for me. Like, I don't know what the personal trigger is for me <laughs> because the storyline is really powerful. And as we know, without saying anything, it leads us to really incredible places, right? I, well, I have to say before this show- I feel really conflicted about it. I didn't like the virtues either. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, okay. I didn't like the book or the movie Hannibal. I didn't like, yeah. the, you know, the virtues at all. They are- like yeah. it, it, you have to be a pretty horrible character to be more loathsome than the other serial killers. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, and totally. yet here we are. Maybe it's because they're rich and just don't give a shit. You know, it's that particular brand mm -hmm. of psych psychopathy. Um, mm -hmm. But they're also, you know, they're meat packing. Yeah, it's rich all just from like so gross. it's all just so gross. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I will say though I, I I'm with you, Justin. That because um, I never I didn't read the the book that the Vergers were in, but I did see Hannibal, and I absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so when the Vergers showed up in this show, mm. the first time I was like, oh God, here we go. But <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I really, really, I like her a lot and I like yeah. how she's kind of coming in as this element of, um, it's just this weird wild card element that she introduces when she shows up that I really appreciate. I like that. It's like, she kind of, she throws everybody off a little bit because mm -hmm we just by just by the virtue of being a new character but by being a new character that fits in this world so well um and is able to walk through it really practically and also very fashionably 
<laughs> oh yes. And um yeah, I and I yes, and I'm also a fan of the actress from Ginger Snaps. <laughs> and um yeah, so I was happy to see her like from the very first time. So, and I and I really have always appreciated her character. Well, and she always strikes me and I, I'm really feeling it on this watch through. Um, I think she is one of the rare characters in the show that shows up and she is probably the smartest person in the room outside of Hannibal at this point. Like she clues into shit really quickly. Mm-hmm. She doesn't necessarily care about things that are happening. You know, that's that kind of, you know, wealthy, privileged, you know, attitude that she also has, I think. But she's, you know, in this conversation, especially with Will, like you're, you're, are led to understand uh, very quickly that this woman is figuring things out that, you know, I don't know how long she's been seeing Hannibal, but it doesn't feel like a long time, right? Like we're, I think we're supposed to believe that she's just starting with Hannibal and she's figured out some shit that's taken Will, you know, a season and a half to, to pull together. So I love that aspect of her. I absolutely do. And I think she retains that sense of, of intelligence and self-possession under circumstances that, you know, we can't really describe yet for fear of spoiling things, but good Lord, that this woman is even upright and can, you know, like comb her hair and isn't just drooling in a corner of a room somewhere is you, you have to admire her. What, what I like about her character is how it's caught Hannibal off guard. Like Hannibal has gotten to a point where he's cocky with situations like this, where he thinks he can manipulate people and win every single time. And almost right away, we see that's not going to happen with her. And I think almost like a little bit into it, Hannibal realizes, oh, shit. Um, and you see him pull back from her when she says, I ran into one of your other patients, Will Graham. And you see him sort of, he does that Hannibal clench up thing where he's like, whoop, time to draw it all back in and, uh, and, and reassess how I'm approaching this person because it's not going to work uh, as easily as with other characters. And, and so that's what I am getting from her vibe right now, that she's not going to be as easily manipulated perhaps as a lot of the other people. And, and it shows with her conversation with Will. Um, it's interesting that you read that as sort of a defensiveness on Hannibal's part, because I, I sort of read it as a, why are you playing in my sandbox, bitch? Like, you know, that's how oh, I read well, it a little yeah. bit. It's you still know defen- I still, that's still oh, yeah, defensive totally. to me. Yeah. That's and, still defensive, and, yeah. And um, freaking, like, I know, I mean, she straight up says, you know, I have a different, procl- I have the wrong proclivity for parts. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, her interactions with Will to me read as sensual. You know, mm-hmm. if a woman, you know, walked up to me on my porch and was like, "Do you have any whiskey?" You know, I would be like, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm married." Yes, uh, let me just go to the drug, like, let me just go to the drugstore first. You know, like you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it. That's a that's. That was a remarkably effective s- sensual moment to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it caught me, you know, it was oh, yeah. sort of great seducing. pickup line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great Total. pickup line. Well, yeah. this show too, it's so, it totally turns sensuality and sexuality on its head. 
things that normally we wouldn't consider to be sexual exchanges are like wildly sexual. Yeah. Um, and then things that we would normally see as being sexual are like mundane or weird or like scary, you know? <clears throat> um, I always have found it so fascinating that none of the murders are sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always just thought that it's because there's so much sexuality in the show um, that if there was, if they were to do that, it would just kind of ruin it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I I just love that, and I that is definitely present in uh, in Margot Verger and her entire story. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. and this whole show. I mean, it's all sexy, whatever. And it's largely <laughs> yeah, the show is sexy as well. Yeah, there's yeah, not a is. lot of the only it's... people that have sex are two people you don't want to see have sex. As, yeah, as from what we've seen, true. Yeah, that's but true. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But that's also <laughs> really missing from the books and other movies. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think part of the problem with Hannibal, <clears throat> the book and the movie, is that this relationship that suddenly appears in the end between Hannibal and Clarice feels contrived. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It just doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. But here, this feels yeah. like... What else? What else would happen? You know, Ooh, of course. It feels so right. Yeah, and that's such a great criticism, actually, of the movies because it was not for lack of Anthony Hopkins bringing the sex factor. Yeah, no, yeah. he was there being all like, "I'm sexy as fuck," and the fact that no one around was like commenting on this or responding <laughs> to this, I was like, "Which one of these people needs Jesus?" <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe I didn't well, I think, yeah. Like, I think a big part of it is, you know, uh, Jodie Foster as Clarice, mm. she seems so like a child. Yeah. You know, like an overachieving child, but a yeah. child nonetheless, that I think sexualizing her would have felt icky, like, and not in a fun way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then yeah. once they recast her, and I love Julianne Moore, but once they recast her, that was just a, you know. Yeah. yeah. I want to throw something out. Not, I don't think I can discuss it now, but I'm just kind of making this connection in my head. And, you know, I think in future episodes, maybe hmm. it's something to discuss. I, they, they give us a visual of Margot Verger that is very similar to what we get from Dr. Du Maurier. Like mm-hmm. they're both that mm-hmm. kind of blonde, very, their hair is always very just sleek sure. and put together. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's just external similarities or if there's something else that might help us understand. Well, they always, they always seem very composed, I guess. Right. To yeah. That that degree. Too. Very like deep as a person. Do you feel like that's not true of the other women in the show of Freddie, of Alana, of, of Beverly? Like, yeah, I don't, they, think, I, mean, they I don't think I don't think Freddie or Alana have the same degree of composure like, mm-hmm. of yeah of it's not the same thing like I don't feel that they I feel like both it, it feels like they went Bedelia, through finishing school they went through finishing yeah school, no almost. I think yeah I think both yeah. Margot and Bedelia okay. wear that composure mm-hmm. like a like a suit of armor yeah and yeah. I don't That's think the other it. women in the yeah. show do. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, to a certain degree, all clothes are armor. Um, but 
Yeah, I I think this is a very good point and we can absolutely put a pin in it and circle yeah. back in the new year. I just, yeah, exactly. No, but I do want to say really quickly that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Um, the di- like this, there is a similarity between the costuming and general styling mm-hmm. of Margot and Bedelia that is very different. And though, like Alana and Freddie look immaculate, it's not in the same way. They're right. communicating mm-hmm. different things yeah. entirely yeah. in their yeah. entire styles. So, yeah. well, and I, I'm happy and I, to talk more about this. Yeah, another because, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think it. I think that topic of conversation is also applies to other characters as we go forward in the series. Well, as well. I think. Yeah, I think Smart. we're gonna have to Smart. kill this. We're gonna have to kill this discussion for now. <laughs> but the good thing about killing is it it might leave a corpse worth discussing. <laughs> Perhaps an exclusive oh, corpse. Wow. wow. Best segue ever. That uh, that leads us into <laughs> our exquisite corpse segment. Wow. And the incomparable Kelly Sue. <laughs> corpse for this episode is kind of challenging and I'm going to go in kind of a different direction with it because the murder tableaus are not like we've talked about all the way through this episode until now the the murders and the murderer and the murder tableaus are totally different than what we are used to seeing and they you know the, the this episode exquisite corpses itself because they talk about like we've been saying the metaphors are so heavy-handed it's about the becoming and the man you know the beast inside is being let out, right? <clears throat> what I want to talk about is the omelet mm. that Hannibal makes for Jeff. Um, you were correct, actually, Phil. It is sacrament. Um, and the history behind this omelet is fascinating because traditionally it is made with brains and testicles. Um, and reason being is that because those two things are very connected. The night, male, the night before the night before this big feast was supposed to happen in <clears throat> Granada, a huge pig is butchered, but all of the meat is stolen. So the priest who's responsible for the cooking was like, "Well, I'm going to use what's left," and it was brains, testicles, sweetbreads. <clears throat> And I found the symbolism of that so fascinating. Even though Hannibal doesn't use brains and testicles, you know he knows that that's what goes into this omelet because he talks about how impressed he was with this dish when he first had it. And I think that it's such a beautiful metaphor for what Hannibal does in this show. He devours people's minds and has everybody by the fucking balls. Oh, you're getting yeah. a sitting. You're getting oh, a seated standing ovation from all of us, right? You now. get snaps from me. Yeah. You get seated oh, yeah. standing ovations. Yeah. Wow, Kelly, and see, the that fact was incredible. That he serves it. The fact that he serves it to Jack, who he knows knows, is like one of the more fascinating Hannibal fucking mic drops. I think of the entire show. 
-hmm. It's a huge power move, which is kind of what that dish can symbolize, right? Um, And so it's not a corpse necessarily, but you know somebody's corpse is involved. (laughs) (laughs) You you just you just killed us all. So yes, Kelly Sue. I am laid out on a slab, dead. Yeah, I'm slayed. Yeah, I am on. I am on the dinner table. Yeah. I think you got me by the brain of the ball. (laughs) Yeah, even Steven. Damn. Nice. Nice. Like I I almost can't comment. That was really I am that was wonderful. Kelly Sue just mic dropped. Yeah, Kelly Sue just mic dropped us all. That was that was Hannibal level mic drop, Kelly Sue. You know, I've got I've got nothing to really to say about how that that you know that scene was interesting to me and how it was shot Mm -hmm. with all the flowers in between them, like this, like Mm -hmm. and and I, I don't know, like I haven't put a lot of thought into the reason for it or, the, or any sort of visual meaning behind it only that yeah uh there was something about that entire scene and and the visual elements to it that rang it rang it i just don't i haven't put it together yet and i think yeah. as an audience you know being given having been given the opening scene to this season that we were given mm. it it behooves us as an audience to pay attention every time it's just Hannibal and Jack alone yeah. in a room together. I right. think what yeah. they're doing with that well is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I also, you guys have said even Steven and Handel Randall. And before we close out, I really just want to say that I'm sad that nobody said shed a tear because that's kind of what happened. That's, but see, we can't say it because you have to say it, Kelly Sue. <laughs> that, I mean, again. We'll what, throw what, that into the pile of- We are of mere mortals in the light of your godly puns. Oh, enough. Big, <laughs> big pun closing us out there, folks. Yep, you have um, a recommendation. Before we toddle off into the sunset here, uh, <laughs> those of us here at Popsicle, we like to when we discuss something we like to give you a suggestion or recommendation for something that might uh touch on the themes or the ideas or the imagery of what we just discussed uh so uh, this week's recommendation comes courtesy of the geeky crafter herself claire thorne yes well i've had this recommendation in my back pocket for a while now and um i it, the fact that it coincides with this episode now is chef's kiss on my own part. Um, just because, you know, this is all about animalistic, you know, we've talked about, you know, how this, the procedural part of this kind of veers into the supernatural feeling and, and just the bloodlusty nature of the whole thing. Um, so show that a series that I is top in my list, like maybe top 10, top 12, um, of all time is the Showtime series, Penny Dreadful. Um, I am not a huge fan of the classic monsters. Like I'm not, I've never been really into like the Frankenstein, Dracula, like the very straightforward um, representations of those. Um, But Penny Dreadful is so good. Um, Eva Green, if, if you want to drool over 
something that is truly terrifying. Josh Hartnett's character, like this is just peak Josh Hartnett. It is, he's so good in this. Um, you have Billy Piper and the always oh, Billy Piper. fabulous freaking Timothy Dalton. Like yeah. I cannot, I, I cannot love his game. Timothy yeah. Dalton enough. Like I, I love Timothy Dalton at his most hammy soap opery. Like he is the ultimate he's Mr. Mr. The beast. Yeah, well, he's the ultimate Mr. Rochester in any version of Jane Eyre, just because he is so freaking over the top and you can laugh at it because you have to laugh at Rochester, right? It's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I just love every single moment of this show and it is graphic, but beautiful as well. Like I think this show rivals Hannibal in a lot of ways for just sheer visual beauty. Um, I just... Yeah, I love every single moment of it. Penny Dreadful. I don't know where you can stream it. I don't know that you can because it's Showtime. Showtime. I'm um, pretty sure it's on. I'm pretty sure it's still currently available on Netflix. Okay, yeah. good. We yeah, started like, watching it on Netflix, rewatching it on Netflix. Yeah. Longer, but then if it's if off. it's not available like immediately for streaming, I'll just say that the show is good enough that it is worth your paying some kind of subscription for in order to binge it and just do that. And it, it, yeah, amazing. All righty. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, join us next week as we discuss season two, episode 10 of Hannibal. Um, please don't forget to tune into our other ongoing show. That episode was where we are currently discussing the final season of The Expanse. Uh, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. And as you listen to this, I should point out that we're actually, as you hear this, we are probably wrapping up that episode was with the expanse um which actually wraps up another show as well because it wraps up through the ring which is our deep dive into the expanse um so as you subscribe share leave a nice comment follow us on all the social medias you might consider us dropping us a message what do you think we should tackle next your feedback is always welcome we may not listen but we uh we'll listen. Definitely consider we'll we, listen. we will listen we, not we may not do yeah. <laughs> but but your feedback is welcome nonetheless follow us at popsicle pod on all social media platforms or sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all past upcoming and ongoing podcasts and related information that's popsicle p-o-p-s-k-l-p-o-d until next time you filthy animals This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.